Welcome to the If I Had More Time podcast at Mariner's Church. This podcast series invites you into a casual conversation with our senior pastor, Eric Geiger, and our teaching team to hear a few helpful insights and truths they wish they had time to include in the weekend message. Be sure that you have listened to this weekend's message prior to listening to the podcast so you get the most out of our current series. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the If I Had More Time podcast. We are in week three of our series, Fighting for Joy, studying the book of Philippians together as a church. Today, I have the lead pastor of our Mariners Oceanside congregation, Van Iveson, with us. Hello. Thanks so much for joining us. And you said his name correctly. I sure did. Some Someone somewhere, once upon a time, has messed up his last I, name. I messed up his name. <laughs> yeah. So this is Eric speaking, <laughs> and I... I feel horrible because the very first time I introduced you to the church, I said your name incorrectly. Correct. What'd you give it? And I, th- I'm, I mean, as you know, I'm really bad with pronouncing names. I mean, it's just really bad. And people are like, Eric, you should work on it. And you, you have no idea how hard I've I've worked on it. You know, I I, I, I practice names. And, and well, we rehearsed it at the beginning. We even rehearsed it. We were, I knew you, you knew that I knew going in that I thought it was going to be a problem. I think I said Ibison. Yes, you did. And um, it's not. It's not Ibison. And then and, and DK said, Eric, I got the way to help you know. It's uh, think about Alan Iverson, Ibison. And after DK gave me that pointer, I have I've been good ever since. I have no idea who that is. So, the, yeah. so, so now, you know, you I, see, you know, Iverson without even Iverson. I don't I don't need Iverson. You don't even I need Iverson. That's what I need. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we're so glad that you're here. We love what's happening down at Oceanside. Can you just give everybody a little glimpse of what God's doing, what you're seeing yeah. in the church, in the community? Yeah. So uh, Mariners Oceanside is the newest congregation of Mariners, the seventh one. And it happens not to be in Orange County, but in San Diego County. Yeah. So we're super excited about that. And we launched 18 months ago, uh, you know, a little over a year. And to see just what God has been doing is incredible. Yeah. You know, one of the beautiful things I love about uh, Mayor's congregation is that they're not just a church in the city, but really serve as a church for the city, yeah. for the good of the city. And so we were able to, when launching it, we're amazed at how God has brought such favor. One thing unique about Oceanside is that our backyard is Camp Pendleton. Yep. And for many years, uh, Mariners has served the 3-5 Battalion for incredible. In fact, last week, or I don't know if I say last week, but we saw last teaching about an incredible story that that took place from the 3-5 Battalion. Yeah. Amazing. And so our heart was, how do we serve the Southern Battalion? How can we serve there? So we became official sponsors for the 9th Com Battalion. And they even gave us this here, this this emblem of of their badge and to say, you guys are part of family. It's huge. Yeah. It's a big and deal. So our chaplain, or the chaplain said there, he said, this is this is a unique thing because they deploy with this badge. For them to give to a church is a huge thing. Wow. So much favor that um, just two weeks ago, two other battalions reached out to us to say, hey, can you serve us? Really? Wow. Yeah. So incredible. Oh my gosh, we're finding out for the first time. Yeah, that's time awesome. Hey, I love that. Great. And then we we started a Mariners hosted here at a senior living facility yeah. in Oceanside. Yeah. So surrounding Mariners Oceanside is a real, I mean, three compounds really. You have the independent living facility, the assisted living facility, and the memory care facility. So mm-hmm. this is a, a community that that is really tucked away and oftentimes are neglected. Yeah. No one visits them. And so we have an opportunity to bring Mariners Hosted here to the 
independent living facility. So independent living facility, these are people who choose to live there. They can go to our church. And so we were able to, and so we're like averaging like 12 to 15 people to show up there. And really the goal is not so much the independent living facility, but the assisted living facility, hmm. because these are the people who, who they can't go to church. They Got can't. Uh, so we're developing a team within the living facility to huh. bring marriage hosted here to the assisted living facility. That's great. That's beautiful. Well, Van and his wife, Jenny, are, they're just incredible. I'm so grateful that you guys moved here and have given yourselves to that community. And I love what God's doing at Mariners Oceanside. I did. I rejoice. It's beautiful. It is fun. They're, they're the church that changed our language from in Orange County to we, we had to expand yeah. Southern California. We That's are true. so glad. That's true. That's, I, I, I mean, I'm glad you, you bring that up, Liz, because if you've been at Mariners for a season, you even when we started launching congregations during the pandemic, you would have noticed that shift. I would I would have said when I'm speaking on video to all the congregations, hey, I want to welcome all of our congregations in Orange County. And if you notice, I no longer say in Orange County. I say I want to welcome all of our congregations throughout Southern California. And Mariners Oceanside really did help us broaden what our our perspective would be. It was something that our elders, we spent time praying about on if that was if that was really the next step, the next iteration and what, what God was doing at Mariner's Church and we really believed it was. And even practically speaking, I mean, we've looked at what, what it will be like to launch congregations in, in northern Orange County, for example. And it takes as long to drive from Mariner's Irvine to yeah. north Orange County as it does to drive to, you know, what we, what, in San Diego they call it, say, North County, you know, North County. to drive to North County, to drive to Oceanside. It's not really just Oceanside. It's really Oceanside, Vista, Carlsbad, that, yeah. that you know, Tri-City city area. Yeah the neighboring communities yes yeah it's awesome it is it's so cool because it just feels like as soon as mariners church oceanside came about it was almost instantly a community impact like i feel like as long as we've been hearing stories from mariners oceanside it's been about mariners oceanside in their community yes i agree with that and you as a leader and the rest of the team in oceanside too i'm like it just oozes out of you guys anytime we talk it's you guys don't just talk about the church. You talk about the community yes. and the people that you're reaching and the people you have hearts for. So it's so beautiful. It is. The, you guys make Mariner's Church really beautiful. Um, so Van's here to talk about this weekend's sermon with us on Philippians 1, uh, 20 through 30 on joy of life and death. And something that we haven't shared about on the podcast yet is something that we do each week with Eric. There's a team of us that gets together prior to uh, a teaching, we'll actually review a manuscript yep. with him. Um, this is really unique, and this is really rare. So um, just a little insight. This is, I mean, it shows a ton of humility about you, Eric, that you would open yourself up yeah. to do that. But it's a it's a diverse group of people of ages and backgrounds and ministries, and it's all to help give perspective. You know, Eric comes with the with the sermon. We're by no means writing these. <laughs> right. You know, the sermon's we, been written and yeah. they, but you guys review it and give feedback. Yeah, yeah, totally. So um and and on this message in particular, a few weeks ago when we were reviewing it, there was a chunk in here on on Christian hedonism that you referenced in your sermon, but um some of some of it got taken away from that teaching meeting because you were just realizing, oh man, to do this, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time. If, so yes. thank goodness we have this podcast. We have more time. <laughs> so we have more time. time to talk about it now. Yes. Talk to us about, yeah. about Christian hedonism. Great. I think um, I it, it, I would have probably needed a net, another 10 to 12 minutes to do, to do it in the sermon and do it well. Because how I had it in the original manuscript was um, showing the philosophy of hedonism, how it doesn't 
deliver, but how Christ delivers. And really, there's a such thing as Christian hedonism. And then I was going to show in the teaching how Christ does that for all of the different philosophies. So there's a Christian Aristotelism, there's a Christian Stoicism, you know, it, meaning that he's the, really the fulfillment of every single philosophy. But let's start with hedonism and where even I got the the, the term Christian hedonism because I'm not the I, I did not coin that term. Uh, a pastor named John Piper is, is is actually who coined that term. So hedonism is the philosophy that to live is pleasure. You know, to live is to seek enjoyment. And John Piper coined the term Christian hedonism. Um, he he wrote he wrote a, a, just this landmark book. I just, the name escapes me. Do you remember the name? Is it Desire God? Desire. It, then that's the name of his ministry, Desiring God. Is that the name of the book where he coins the term? I think so. It's a, I, the book that he wrote that impacted me the most was Let the Nations Be Glad uh-huh. about, about the gospel impacting every... Are you talking about Don't Waste Your Life? Is, is that the, in, the one that impacted you the most? Don't Waste Your Life? Yes, but I, I think it... And it's... Everything he writes is about a- Christian hedonism. Absolutely. You, you, you're, you're right. He might have Christian hedonism as a thread throughout. So this is fascinating. <laughs> as you can tell, we, we have not prepared this. So the, in, the, the, the book that impacted Liz the most was Don't Waste Your Life? Yes. Piper? Totally. The Piper book that impacted you the most in yours, Van, was? It wasn't a book. It was actually a message on a, in a passion conference. Which, which, what was the message? He was talking about Christian hedonism and really, he, he kind of nuanced that that. The Westminster for the Catechism, the first to, question. To enjoy God. It, by enjoying him forever. Not, yeah. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He changed it from, uh, to um, I, I'm going to live with him. I'm gonna, chief, the the man, chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yes. And he said, by enjoying forever. So. Yes. Okay. Oh, let's let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah. Come on. This is good. This is good. <laughs> so the Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man. So what's the whole point of life? Mm-hmm. You know, we did, the whole sermon was like, what's the whole point of life? The Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Piper, who was a pastor, who is a pastor, um, he stepped in and said, I want to make an adjustment to the Westminster Catechism, which by the way, I could, I could never do that. I could never say, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to actually suggest a tweak to the Westminster Catechism. But but John Piper he, he did that and yeah. he, and he he changed it he, he I think with humility said it's this and what 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 did he say he said uh, he changed the word and and used the word by okay so the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever so in in my sermon I talked a bit about the relationship between honoring God and enjoying God that's essentially what Piper was teaching that by enjoying God you you honor God. And so how does this relate to Christian hedonism? He, he was teaching that you really do seek joy. And really the only way you're going to find joy is in Christ. And so I am an unashamed hedonism, hedonist and that I want pleasure, but I'm a Christian hedonist because I believe the only place where there's ultimate pleasure is in Christ, that every other pursuit fails it's, it's really also similar to Blaise Pascal. Blaise Pascal, the famous philosopher, he, he said, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding war is the, is the same goal, to, to have joy, to be happy. But none of us are, and now I'm big time paraphrasing Pascal, 
but none of us are until the great abyss mm. is filled by the immutable object, namely by God himself. So he, he says, everyone's seeking happiness. We're all seeking joy. The only way we're going to actually have it is in Christ. So Christian hedonism is, hey, you, you want joy? Hey, to, 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 to live is to enjoy? Go for it. But the only way you're going to be really quenched is if Christ is where you seek. And if you seek Christ, you will have joy. So that the part of the message where I, um, I just like briefly said, hey, Christ gives you the goal of every other philosophy. If Christ is, is the blank of your life to live as Christ, I was basically applying the principle of Christian hedonism to all the other philosophies. Like, hey, if you want joy... Christ is your life and he gives you joy. Hey, if you want to be a good person, Christ is your life and he actually changes you and yeah. makes you good. You know, if you want um if you want to serve others, Christ is your life. And then because he served you, you are overwhelmed by his service to you and you want to serve others. Christ is your life, and therefore he's gonna grow you and develop you because his spirit's within you and he's gonna He's going to sanctify you. So what I was trying to do, and if I had more time, I would have made it more explicit, was do the same thing that Piper did with hedonism and apply it to all the other philosophies as well, showing that the goal of each philosophy, being a good person, enjoyment, growth, serving others, those are good things. But if you chase those things apart from Christ, you'll never get those things. You'll never be enough. You'll never know if you've done enough. But if Christ is your life, he actually gives you the very things. He, he actually right. satisfies you. That's good. I, um, I have a question for both of you on when, when did it, be, it become your delight? You know, like when, when did you find, oh, my goodness, I actually ha- take pleasure in who Jesus is? Because I'm, I'm thinking about in, in my own journey it was, um, I actually think that it was very convenient for me to start following Jesus because I, I wanted to be a good person and I wanted to serve other people. And at first that was my goal. And then at some point it switched to me realizing, oh, all of those things pale in comparison to knowing him. So when, when did that happen for you guys? Do you have a moment or a scripture that comes to mind whenever you realized it, you could in fact find pleasure in the person of Jesus? Yeah. So for me, you know, I, as a young Christian, I had a hard time committing my life to Christ. When you say young Christian, are you a teenager? How old are you this time? 15 years old. Okay. Yeah. 15 years old, um, sophomore in high school. And I'm like, I want to follow Jesus. I want to pursue him. But from what I hear and what I experience, people say that, man, if you become a Christian, God's the ultimate cosmic killjoy. I mean, just, just say goodbye to pleasure in your life. And I was like, I, I don't know if I want to do that. And then when I, I explored uh, scriptures like that. I mean, you. Well, I mean, I'd love for you to share the C.S. Lewis quote because it was so. When I when I first heard that, I was like, "What do you?" So I'm wanting to pursue pleasure, and God's saying, "Well, that pleasure is not enough. It's too weak. Yes, yeah. there's greater pleasures." And then in in discovering that, in knowing that, and then finding my joy ultimately being satisfied in Him, really helped me get over the the hunch of like, "Okay, I, I want to change my life. I want to pursue the Lord." But I know I have to like give up stuff. And then even the passage that you shared, you know, you highlight Paul saying, look at all the benefits when Christ is in that blank, when he is or yeah. who is. My goodness. 
I had the experience before I had the language. Hmm. And so for, you know, as I'm looking back on my, my journey, just like you, I, I didn't have anyone articulating or maybe I didn't have people articulating. I just missed it. It just didn't sink in. My heart was too cold or my heart was too hard. I don't remember having the thought that if I follow Jesus, I'm going to enjoy him more than anything else in the world. So just like you, I thought, man, I'm going to follow, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to be giving up so much and I'm going to be having to say no to so many pleasurable things in life. So that's what I thought. And then I, and then, you know, I made an absolute mess of my life in high school and become a follower of Jesus going into my senior year of high school. And I mean, this would, I, this would have made zero sense to me before I became a Christian. Like what I'm about to say, someone listening to this, who's not yet a Christian, I, I, and you're like, that makes no sense. Totally get you. (laughs) Cause this would have made no sense to me either. I enjoyed staying home my senior year in high school and playing cards with my parents more than I enjoyed all the partying I was doing before I became a Christian. And I, this was my senior year in high school in New Orleans. Like all throughout high school, we talked about our senior year. I mean, we're 18 in New Orleans. The things you could do when you're 18 is crazy. And we, and we were 18 senior year in high school and all the things that we thought that I thought we were going to do. And I didn't do any of those things, but it wasn't like, Oh, I'm giving up these things. Oh, Look how noble I am of giving up these things. He really changed my my taste buds, and I w- I really was at more peace and more joy, just being with my parents, reading my Bible, spending time with Jesus, than I ever had chasing after all the things that I had chased before. And, and I didn't have language for it, but I but I but I I couldn't have preached a sermon about it. I could not if someone had asked me. I don't think I could have articulated it. Not well. I just would have probably said something like, "You know, I'm ha- I'm a happier person now," or "I'm I'm I'm I-, I feel better about life now." I probably would have said something like that. It wasn't until really throwing myself into the scripture and like Psalm 16. I remember when I first it Psalm 16 just I mean, probably sophomore junior year of college when I'm reading through the Bible, Psalm 16 just boom. Um in your presence is fullness of joy. It, it, so in the presence of God is fullness of joy. And I didn't have fullness of joy in all of the other um, places. At verse four of Psalm 16, the sorrows of those who chase after another God will multiply. And my sorrows did multiply when I chased, when I put something else in the blank of my life. And so Psalm 16 then gave me language for what I had already experienced. So my experience of Jesus being greater joy than anything else I had had, I, that was real for me. It wasn't like a sermon. It was, I lived it. And then language came as I studied the scripture that helped me now be able to articulate it, to articulate it and know, oh no, that's actually what was happening to me. That's exactly what happened to me. My sorrow multiplied when I put something else in the blank of my life. My joy increased when Jesus became my life. It's awesome. It's beautiful. 
Um, so this weekend across all of our congregations and online, we took communion. And it's something that around here we do, we try and do about every six to eight weeks, making sure it's a, a regular part of our, our spiritual journey, our discipleship journey for people here at Mariners. Um, I, I would love to hear from you guys just as a pastor. I mean, what does that mean for you? Like as the ones that administer that yep. among your congregations, um, what is that like for you? And what, what do you think we should view that moment as how, what should the posture of our hearts be whenever we do something like take communion? We always try to announce it ahead of time in some kind of way that like on social media or some, some means that we're going to have communion because I do believe people should come with a heart ready to take communion. There's, when you read the scripture in the church, you see multiple, really just two ordinances um, some some faith traditions call them sacraments. We 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 use ordinances as a term. Um, it's baptism and communion, or baptism and the Lord's Supper, and both of those are statements of the gospel. So baptism is a statement of the gospel. Someone goes under the water. It illustrates that their old life has been buried, and they come out of the water. It illustrates that they have a new life. Communion is a statement of the gospel. The bread's representing the body of Jesus. The juice is representing the blood of Jesus. So. They're really important for me as a pastor because they're, it's us c- together as a faith community remembering the gospel and participating together in uh, a meal, a sacred meal that declares the gospel to ourselves. Yeah. I think even it's how appropriate it is for a seer's like fighting for joy. It's just a reminder of our ultimate source of joy is found in Christ. But then even Paul would say like... Uh, as often as you can do this remembrance, you know, uh, to, to remember, remember, uh, this, what the sacrament, this, sorry, excuse me, remember what this beautiful sacrifice is, hmm. but also that he's coming again. Like he came in his first advent and we celebrate that because he's about forgiveness and salvation, but that he's coming again, that what sustains our joy, even in the difficult moments of life is that it's, it's Christ. He's coming back again and we can be joyful because we have hope. Oh, it's beautiful. I didn't. I didn't prepare you guys with this question. Oh, we, I think we're all right. We're all right. <laughs> um, this is just a curiosity thing. Why do you think it's it's bread and wine? Like, do do they symbolize different things? Yes. Or, okay. Tell yes. Me. So the um, the the origin of the meal is the Passover, which was the Jewish people celebrating that God had delivered them from Egyptian slavery. And then Moses, after the people were rescued, said, you're going to remember this. You're going to take the Passover every year. So Jesus enters our world in a, into the Jewish culture. He enters our world in a Jewish body, and all of his disciples are Jewish. They celebrate the Passover. So they, they were expecting to take, they took the Passover every, every meal, I mean, every year together. And so they're, they're taking the Passover together. And this is the, the, the time in which Jesus is going to be betrayed and crucified, which there's so much symbolism there because Jesus is the new Passover lamb, you know, the, the lamb that was, that the lambs that were killed in by Israel when they were in Egyptian slavery is what led to their liberation. Jesus is the lamb that is slain who leads to our liberation. So there's so much depth and symbolism with this, with this meal. So Jesus is taking Passover with his disciples, and he says, 
essentially this meal is going to now take on a, a more profound and a deeper meaning. We're no longer remembering the the blood of lambs that were put on doorposts, but we're remembering the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus, who is slain for us. We're we're not we're not taking unleavened bread to remember the rescue from Egypt. We're we're taking bread to remember the body of me, the body of Jesus. So the bread symbolizes the body of Jesus, the the juice or the wine or the cup symbolizes the the blood of Jesus. So when we hold the bread, we we hold the bread with you know, I don't want it to be I say somber, but it's a somber and joyful holding of the bread. Somber because wow, it it cost his body for me to receive life, but joyful because it was a once and for all sacrifice. I don't have to um, sacrifice. I don't. I don't. Will will not pay for the price of sin. Jesus paid the price of sin for me. So we hold the bread and we remember that in His flesh was placed all of our sin and shame. That in His flesh He absorbed the wrath of God. So the wrath of God. What do you mean? Well, sin has to be punished because God is holy. God punishes sin, not in our flesh, but punishes sin in the flesh of Jesus. So in the flesh of Jesus, our sin is paid for. That's why we take the bread to remember what his body sacrifice accomplishes for us. And then the cup represents his blood. Jesus said, this is the new, the new cup, the new, the new covenant, um, the cup of my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And so the body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, without the body and the blood of Jesus, we don't we don't have life. We we are dead in our our transgressions and sins, and and so the communion is. You need the gospel over and over again. I I mean I need, I need the gospel every day. We have a podcast called the Gospel Every Day. We need the gospel yeah. every day, and communion is a great a great way for you to remember the gospel. I I hope that when you come into a marriage congregation and one of our greeters or ushers hands you one of those cups that you're like, yes, yes. Not like, oh, I, oh, I know what this is. I've done this before. That, no, 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 no. Yes, there's going to be a couple of moments for me to remember what Jesus did for me. That's right. That's good. It's as if when he said, do this in remembrance of me, he knew that we would be quick to forget. That's right. And we would Reminding. be willing to lose our pleasure or delight in him. That we, we need to be reminded. We, we need to be reminded that we can put Christ in the blank of our life, not as a way to earn him, but because he first came here for us, first loved us, gave himself for us. Because of that, we can now say to live as Christ and to die as gain. Amen. That's good. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the If I Had More Time podcast. Thanks for joining us today on the If I Had More Time podcast hosted by Mariners Church. We hope to see you next weekend at any of our congregations across Southern California or online. To view our service times at each congregation, be sure to check out our website at marinerschurch.org.